that worship. Man, just amazing to be in church this morning. As you look at the title today, I want to give you an introduction before we get into the passage. We're going to learn today one of, one, one of probably the most misunderstood passages in the New Testament by Jesus. As a matter of fact, if I was to ask you, did Jesus say this, yes or no, most of you would say, of course Jesus didn't say this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus would never tell us something crazy like that. That's something you would learn from uh, Jay-Z's life lessons. You know, 10 ways to uh, win friends and influence people. Number one, get a lot of money and buy their friendship. That's what we would think. But this is actually word for word what Jesus said in the NIV translation. And for those of you who think, well, man, that NIV, that's just, you know, that just means the non-inspired version. Uh, we got to go to the King James Version, the, the language of the king. We'll get to that. It's actually even stronger than the NIV. So it's kind of like, do you want your coffee uh, decaf or you want it black and strong and all the caffeine you can take? You know, the King James is even stronger than the NIV. And so I, I have... Uh, took in great joy, take great joy in sharing this with you as I have learned it in the past. And so this is not one of those things to kind of show off my Bible skills here. This is something for you to get to see my heart. And if you know me and you spend time around me, you will notice this is a key part of my life. This is a key part of my life. The way Jesus defines success and the way Jesus defines being wise and he uses the word shrewd in this world will help you understand me in an entirely different way if you don't get me. Like if you, if you just look at me as a pastor and you try to figure out like why does he have up here 100,000? Like why does our pastor always teach us to set goals for the church and why is he always going so hard in life, getting his doctorate, six kids? It's like there's nothing my pastor does in average way. It's never just like just the average. It's always above the average. You will understand me a lot better, but it's not just for you to be like, oh, that's cool. I understand Joe now. It's for you to get in the game of life and to go harder than you have ever gone. And a lot of people who preach from these texts run us into the ditch of what is known as the prosperity gospel. Now, I have to be clear with you, I believe in a gospel that prospers. And so I don't fall into the other ditch and just say everything to do with prosperity is always spiritual, spiritual treasure, spiritual wealth, spiritual happiness. No, I actually believe in houses and land. I believe in some real world wealth. I, I believe in real success, but I don't believe in it attached to the gospel in the sense that... Unless you're making money being successful, you're not saved or you're not a good Christian or somehow you're not uh, you know, as faithful to God as someone with a lot of money is. So I never want to attach wealth to your Christian life like as a sign of whether or not you're doing Christianity well. I think that's kind of what we would call in our culture the prosperity gospel where they attach your bank account to your spirituality and the more bank account you have, the more spirituality you have. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. But on the other end, I'm not saying it's good to be broke, busted, and disgusted and say, I just love Jesus. I just got a lot of Jesus in my heart. You have no money in the bank. Your clothes stink. You don't know how to get up and work and get things done, but you got Jesus. You know, that's not what we're going for either. Now, I understand if you have Jesus, you have everything. You're going to go to heaven, but you won't take many people with you you won't have a lot of influence, and you'll probably set a bad testimony everywhere you go. Does anybody remember Pigpen from the, the show Charlie Brown? That's kind of how you'll go through life like Pigpen, just a bunch of dust and mess all around you. And yeah, God will still use you despite all of that. 
But that wasn't his intention. His intention was to bless you. His intention was to wake you up in life and to not have you run to a commune and to go become a monk and say, well, just as long as I love Jesus, I'll stay the janitor the rest of my life. If God told you to be the janitor, that's awesome. But if you're doing that because you're lazy, you don't want to be a manager, you don't want to be in charge of the other janitors, you don't want to start your own janitor business, you're going to get to heaven and not just get a little tap on the head and get an attaboy, you're going to get a tap on the butt. You're going to be told you ought to did better than that. I love what D.L. Moody said. A lot of people are going to get to heaven and be surprised by looking at all the things that were in heaven waiting for them to come on earth. But they never asked God for those things in heaven to come on earth. So he talks about the story of a man just walking into heaven and seeing this room filled with all these beautiful things. And then he asked God, he said, what's that? He said, that's all the stuff I had for you that I wanted to send on down. Somebody say, send it on down. See, we're supposed to pray for the kingdom of heaven to come on this earth. And so all the cattle of a thousand hills belongs to our God. All the wealth belongs to our God. Now, some of y'all can't handle wealth. You get paid and you blow it all up on stupid stuff. And then when I start talking about wealth, you think I'm talking about what you do. I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about the wealth that rich people in the Bible have used for millennium. For millennium. I'm talking going back millenniums. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were men of wealth with property and land. And they used it for the glory of God. So if all of us don't get wealthy, that's okay. But if some of us do, we can participate in it. So you may say, Pastor, I don't want to get wealth. I just want to have a few dollars in my pocket. I just want to drive my Toyota Camry, and I just want to do, okay, well, don't leave an inheritance for your children's children then, okay? That's all right. Your competitor will whoop your butt on the business uh, field and take all that inheritance and give it to their kids if you don't want it. Well, I just want to go to my job and just sell a couple cell phones. I don't want to sell many. Well, Verizon or T-Mobile or one of these companies will take over your company, merge with it, fire you, and put one of their salesmen where you're supposed to be. Are you listening to me? See, people in this world want stuff. And you see, sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I want it, but should I want it? Maybe I'm being greedy. I'm going to help you understand if you're greedy or not. But the Bible says you should want wealth. You should want it. You should desire to have it. See, y'all looking at me crazy. Use worldly wealth to gain friends. Don't you have to have it to do something with it? Well, it's spiritual. No, he was very clear. It's not spiritual. It's worldly. He's talking about worldly wealth. See, some of y'all don't understand me, but anybody who's ever been in a staff meeting with me, anybody that's ever been an elder or deacon already nodding their heads going, oh, pastor has challenged us. Pastor's praying for my business to succeed. Pastor's always asking me about whether or not I'm being successful on my job. There is, there is literally zero confusion in anybody in my life about whether or not I believe this passage. There's, they already know it. It's about time y'all get on in on get on in it and, and to receive it. And so not to feel judged, like all of a sudden you're going, man, I don't have enough money to be considered wealthy. Is pastor going to judge me now? I just told you that's not what I'm doing. And I'm going to say it about five more times, and I bet you I'll have to rebuke and block some people from Facebook because they'll keep putting it under this video that I said that. And I did not say that. Do you understand? You can love Jesus and be broke. You can go to heaven and be broke. Are you guys listening to me? You can put that on your Facebook, Twitter right now. Pastor said you can love Jesus and go to heaven and be broke. But do you want to? Do you want to go to heaven broke? Do you want to go to heaven losing a promotion to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes into your company that's willing to do something to get worldly wealth? Now let's turn, turn to the scripture before you think I'm preaching heresy. Chapter 16, verse 1. Some of you are like, oh, man, this feels weird. Has Joe turned into Joel Osteen? What is going on? Prosperity, blessing, wealth. What has happened? He's supposed to just rebuke us about sin all the time and call out Ellen and Oprah. He's not supposed to talk to me about me getting on my job and being successful. 
He's not supposed to teach me about investing and having wealth to give to my children's children's children. I just want to come here and learn to pray. Yes, I won't teach you how to pray, but I want to teach you how to work and be successful. Not enough of you here have a desire in your heart to be successful. You want to just slip and slide through life, and you want to put that on Jesus. I have never served that Jesus. I have never served the Jesus you think gives you an excuse to be lazy on your job. And then sometimes people tell me, well, I was supposed to work today, but I called off to be on this outreach. That was stupid. Why did you do that? While you are here, you are losing the opportunity over there. You are to be so blessed over there that they let you get off and still pay you. You're not supposed to lose your money, your opportunity to work, so you can show up here because now you're spiritual. Be spiritual on your job and be successful. Own that thing. Run that thing. Tell me you came here and you're still on a a six-figure salary. That's what I want to hear. I got two managers running this thing. That's why I'm here today. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear I just called off. I just called off so I could do this. Y'all ain't thinking big enough when you act like that. Let's go to the word. Now, this is what I'm going to do for everybody here. I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm not going to interrupt it at all. I'm going to make sure we hear what Jesus says, and then I'll help us break it down. But the only reason why it's confusing to some of us, and most of you probably have read this but did not understand it, and some of you will read it now with me and not understand it, is because you cannot let your mind go to a thought you have never grasped before, and that is God wants you to be blessed and stop making excuses to be busted in your life. Because if you open your mind to that, the parable makes Perfect sense. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What a powerful parable ending with the the challenge not to love money. Now, some of you just go, that's it. I don't know much about what that parable was supposed to tell me, but I get it at the end. I'm not supposed to love money. Let's just go forward and move on. No, the point of this is you're supposed to have so much of it that you're better at wealth, making money, having money than the world, but then you don't love it like the way they do. That's the point of it. It's not like money, oh, get it away from me. No, it's like I'm going to get your job, I'm going to get that company, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, but I'm not going to love it. I'm going to use it every time I get it as a tool to build the kingdom. 
You see, I have to be trustworthy now. Listen to me. I have to be trustworthy now with worldly wealth so that I can have kingdom wealth. Let's go look at the parable step by step. Go through it, please. Going to the, to the notes down further. Well, we'll come to that in just a second. Let's go to the breakdown. I want to show you guys the breakdown. Number one, Christians are going to give an account for G- to Jesus for what they did with their resources. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. The manager was accused of wasting his boss's possessions. You see, you're going to give an account for what you do with what God has given you. If God said the highest job you'll ever have in this world is to be a janitor, then you better be the best janitor in this world. You better do it with all your heart, with all your might. Do it as unto the Lord. And you will be held responsible for how you were a janitor. But if you are a janitor now... And the Lord has called you to then become a owner of a janitorial business, but you don't want to put in work to have that responsibility. You are wasting the possession God has given you. So that's where you got to look at your life. I understand not everybody's going to own a janitorial business. We need good janitors. Sometimes people talk about everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. You see these guys on TV. Everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Listen, if everybody was an entrepreneur, nobody would get the job done. There would be no work being done. If everybody's an entrepreneur, who's going to be the one serving the hamburgers? Like if we're all owning the McDonald's, in other words, who's going to serve the hamburgers? If we're all owning the the grocery stores, who's going to stock the groceries? We can't have robots do all this, right? So not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. I understand that. But the idea is where are you supposed to be in this system? Number one, you're going to give an account for your job. Does everybody get that? You're going to give an account for what you did with your job. Number two, those in this world who are motivated get stuff done. And the Bible talks about this man getting motivated towards losing his job. He said, I don't want to beg. I don't want to just keep catching a check here from the government, keep getting my Social Security or getting whatever, my Section 8. I just don't want to stay in that level. I better do something. So he began to be shrewd. The one part that was dishonest about him is he was already fired, but he kept doing his job. So Jesus is not saying, hey, man, I'm glad that he broke rules That's the part I want you to do is break rules to get ahead. No, he said he honored the dishonest manager. He honored him because when he broke the rule, it was for the benefit of both himself and the the company. In other words, he was fired, but he still tried to get the customers the best deal. We'll keep going. But notice that the man was rewarded for his shrewdness. He was motivated. And number three, Jesus makes that application quick. And he says disciples need to be more motivated in this world than the people of the world are. Listen to what Jesus said. He said the people of darkness are more shrewd. The people of the world are more shrewd or wise in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Now, does that mean we have to fight in the business world the way they do dishonestly? Does that mean we need to steal? No, but we need to be just as shrewd. What industry are you in right now? What are you doing? Be shrewd where you are at so that you might be successful. Do not let the people of this world say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. Let me get the raise. You're a Christian. You're not going to take the raise from me, are you? You're not going to take that promotion from me, are you? You're not going to take that starting position on the basketball team or the football team, are you? You're supposed to be a Christian. Uh, Man, the best thing I can do as a Christian is whoop your hiney right now. That's the best thing I can do for you as a Christian is teach you a thing or two. I remember one time I was playing volleyball, and the, and the guy, guy got spiked on, you know, we were out there, and I actually got one of my good ones, and they were like, oh, Pastor, you're supposed to love everybody. This is me loving you. This is me loving you. Doing my best challenging you to be better and making sure there's always W's and L's at the end of the game. That is me teaching you. 
You don't always win in life. You lose at life. When you lose, you can get a lesson. I've lost in life. We have to take lessons from our losses. Everybody doesn't win. Everybody doesn't get the promotion. Everybody doesn't get to live in that neighborhood, drive that car, have that retirement, have inheritance. Not everybody does. Of course, they want to. It's those who are shrewd who go out and get it. This is your Monday morning motivation. Do you hear me? Put this on tomorrow in your commute and say, my pastor told me in Jesus' name, I'm going to get out here and be successful. He said I can do it. Get out there and be successful. Stop letting people point you in a corner, uh, paint you in a corner, and, and, and just sit you down in your time out and say, well, that's where the Christian goes. You don't get to be the CEO of Apple. You don't get to be the CEO of Google. Young lady or ma'am, you don't get to start Spanx. That's what the lesbians do. That's what the homosexuals do. That's what the world they do. Man, you can take that back to hell with the devil where it came from. I came here in Jesus' name to have dominion and to be prosperous. I will not be pushed into the closet. I'll be so successful that all y'all get jealous. I will be a Daniel in Babylon. I just won't complain about how wicked Babylon is. We know it's wicked. We know we are exiled here. We wish it was better. But while we are here, we're going to be successful in all that we do. We're going to give the pagans something to talk about on their lunch break. How does she keep getting all those sales? How does she keep getting the customer? How does she keep getting the promotions? It must be God. And so you don't know me if you don't know this message. And I want to say even greater than this. You don't know Jesus unless you know this message. Because when Jesus wanted to talk about money, see, he ends with, don't you love it? Don't you love it? We would have thought the parable would have been something like this. There was a rich man who gave away everything he had. He became a monk. He lived up in the mountains somewhere. He wore clothes that stink. Every now and then he would do a little side gig to get some money. But his kids always had to shop at the secondhand store. And when he died, his, his kids had to raise money on a GoFundMe account to go bury him. Shame on us. We think that's the parable Jesus should have told about some broke, busted person that couldn't even have enough money to bury themselves. Help me bury grandpa. I know I'm offending some of y'all, but I hope I offend you to get your mind right. Help me bury mama. Help me bury dada. Why? They ain't save up no money. They were in debt, left you in a world of a mess, but at least they had Jesus. That's not the parable Jesus told. He said, let me tell you something. There was a man wasting his possessions, and he got fired. But that man said, I got scared, man. I'm scared. I don't want to work digging ditches. I don't want to go beg. I'm going to go find my, uh, my boss's debtors and see if I can work something out with them. And then he gets awarded for his shrewdness. And God said, that's what you better be like. You think these worldly people just by accident get where they're at? You think Facebook by accident gets where they're at? You think McDonald's by accident got where they're at? And so we sit here with the poverty mentality hating on their success. I'm not here encouraging their, 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 their corruption, but I'm saying there are so many of them that work that system till they had to break through their success. Nobody gave it to them. They busted down the doors and took all they could have. And Jesus says, you better get as wise as they are when it comes to the kingdom of this world and worldly wealth. So what does this man do in his job? It was to manage possessions. He's fired. What does he do now? He goes out and negotiates with his master's debtors. They owe him stuff. And he says, man, cut that bill down. And by doing that, he accomplished two things. Number one, he had accomplished his now a former boss getting an income where he wasn't getting any income because they said, we just owe him too much. We'll get back to that later. 
That debt's just too big. I can't pay it back. But now his boss could get some income coming back in. So his boss is now getting something instead of nothing that benefited his boss. But then number two, it benefited him because he looked like the cool guy showing up to these people going, look, man, I'm going to change your bill for you. How many of you got friends that changed the bill for you? Come see me at Verizon. I'm going to change the bill for you. Come see me at Comcast. Now, listen, don't you ever do that against their wishes, but some of y'all get friends and family discounts. Some of you have opportunities to do that for special customers. That's built into the system. That's what he did. And the boss said, man, you were fired. And as you being fired, you did better than when you were my employee. He rewarded him probably gave him back his job. And so we need to be more motivated to make kingdom connections than they are just to have money and spend it on their lust so they can have another stupid yacht worth $100 million that they can line their toiletry in gold. Come on, we want it for Jesus. We want it for the missions. We want it to start orphanages, hospitals, public schools, or free schools instead of these garbage public schools. Hallelujah. It gets me so angry how they waste it on their greeds. And then y'all tell me you're not called to make it. They What, they call? You're telling me these idolaters, these raving mad lunatics, some of them are into pedophilia and all this crazy perversion. You're telling me they're the only ones on this planet that can put a B after their name for a billion? To hell with this system of Mark Zuckerberg and all these crazy cooped out people in the Silicon Valley. I want you to take it over in Jesus' name. They can't stop you. You create a better platform. Everybody will come to your platform. They don't know where you go on Sunday. They don't know what you're doing with your money as you donate it to your causes. Now, of course, they're going to get jealous and try to use that against us as they did with Chick-fil-A and all these others. But we will outperform them. Aren't you tired of the wicked having all the money? Aren't you just sick of it? Like they've got something to say now because they've got money. Like you're going to teach us now about morals. You sick, twisted thing, you. Affirming of abortion, you wicked, genocidal maniac. And then they give hundreds of millions of dollars to these wicked, wicked organizations. Get it. Go out and get the wealth of the wicked in Jesus' name. Don't cut corners. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Just out perform them, out-succeed them, out-invent them, out-smart them, out-work them, out-save them, out-invest them, out-friendship them. Do it in Jesus' name. Being successful with worldly riches is a test now to see you getting true riches in the kingdom. He said... If you have not been faithful with little, how will you be given much? And if you have not been good with somebody else's stuff, how are you going to be good with your own stuff? Some of you say, oh, I wish I could be my own boss. Man, you'd be the worst boss. You'd be getting up at the crack at 10 a.m., coming out to work without brushing your teeth, doing your hair, saying, this is, life. This is living. No, that's just you being lazy. Being your own boss, just let me just tell you this right now. Take what you're working right now, times it by two hourly. That's being your own boss. You just went from, 80, from 40 hours to 80 hours. That's being your own boss. Not taking a paycheck for years while you're paying your employees. That's being a boss. Watch Shark Tank. Watch The Prophet. Watch shows where you see movers and shakers get it done. The sacrifices that they make. The time that they put in. Nobody's handing them success in this world. And just because now you're a Christian, you expect God to sprinkle some fairy dust on your life and to change the whole principle for you. He's not doing it. The sinner farmer and the righteous farmer got to go and plant that seed and work that ground to get a harvest. 
Don't you come up here and ask us to pray for your finances when you don't work well on your job. You don't study Sunday night to get ready for that presentation Monday morning. You're not looking at your taxes. You're not preparing your financials. You're not going back to get educated. Don't ask us to come up here and sprinkle some fairy dust on you. We're looking for people in this church that want to work hard, that want to give it all for Jesus. And like I said, whatever position you're in, nobody ought to be ashamed to come shake my hand and say, Pastor, I'm a janitor, I'm a this, because I don't care about your position. I just want to know where you are at in your position. Are you blessed? Are you successful? Are you prosperous? Are you the best person there? Are you representing Christ in all that you do? And are you saving with what you have? Right now, listen to me. I'm not a financial planner, but my dad was. Right now, you take $20,000, save it up, do whatever you have to do. Take the next three, four years. Some of you, most of you all under 30 here, save up $20,000, put it into an investment account. And then every month, put into that investment account what you had been saving to get to that 20000 So 200 a month, you put it in there. Go, go to an amortization chart. You can retire as a millionaire if you do it for 30 years. And you think millionaires got bopped on the head with it. Most millionaires are blue-collar millionaires. They worked hard. They saved hard. They put in the time. They put in the grind. Now, if you don't want it, that's all right. But you better understand somebody else is going to get it. I'm here to challenge you. It's about time we wake up and start seeing what God has for us. That's his parable. And I woke up to it a long time ago. That's why I put up here 100,000. I just don't want to be another mega mess church. I want to be a movement in Jesus' name. I don't just want to have a few numbers on the board. I want to give Joel Osteen a run for his money in Jesus' name. Since the day you've walked into this building, you've been a part of our big ask before the God, the God, God of heaven and earth. Now it's time for you to get a big ask and come to him. Amen? Number six, God is the master over our money. Money is not the master of our spiritual lives. And see, that's the problem with a lot of us. We think everybody who has money is greedy like the way we're greedy. And most of us don't have any money, but we're greedy over what we don't have. We lust after it. And we think Mark Zuckerberg is just as greedy as we are. I don't think a lot of those guys are greedy, honestly. They might be. I don't know. I just think they got so successful they have more money than they know what to do with right now. But we want to now make moral judgments. Well, I don't, I don't want to have it because I might be greedy. It's better not I have it. It's better that that flaming homosexual has it. That's better he has it. He'll know what to do with it. Don't give it to me. I can't be trusted with it. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? These... These CEOs are wicked, they're perverse, and you're telling me they can be trusted more with wealth than you who pray, read your Bible, come to church. You're telling me that the woman of Spanx somehow deserves a billion dollars, and Monique and others of you here, Jerry, who can be just as creative as others, you're telling me you, you, you shouldn't have a billion you're telling me J.K. Rowling, who makes this demonic series about Harry Potter and all that, you're telling me she's the only creative person out here? That's what you're telling me? You're telling me Damon, uh, whatever his name is from FUBU, you're telling me he's the only one that can create a T-shirt? He deserves to have a couple hundred milli? And you're just going to have your little thing. Silliness. God said, master your money. Master it. Let me tell you the first whooping you put on your money. You give it as a tithe every time you get money into your hands. You just say, money, you work for me. Get out there in the kingdom of God. You don't have my heart, money. Go on out there now. You master it. Money, you don't have me. You're a tool. You're a hammer. I don't sing songs about my hammer, but they sing songs about money, 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 money. Hammer, 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 hammer. I don't sing about my wrench. I don't sing about my tire. This is a tool to get me somewhere. This is a tool that I use to get things that are kingdom things that will change the world. And so when, he dis, when, when the man was dishonorable, he didn't care about money, did he? 
Ah, oh, you owe my boss whatever. You'll pay him when you do. I'll just hang around here in the shop a little bit. Who knows what the dude was doing? But he didn't care that these guys owed his master money and his, his master wasn't getting anything. He was probably just saying, well, it is what it is. You guys owe him money. You can't pay it. Well, I tried. I tried. It didn't work. And yet when he got desperate, he's like, man, we better get some money in here. I'm going to show the boss I can get some money in here. I'm going to save them money and get my boss money. He knew the principle of economy. He knew the principle of value, of wealth. He knew that he had to start moving in that realm. People pay money for what they value. People pay money, listen to this, for what they value. If they value your service, they'll pay money for it. If they value your product, they'll pay money for it. People don't want to pay money for what they don't value. And the problem is we're not creating value. We're like the man being lazy, just saying it is what it is. You know, at one point, a man said, well, I think all the inventions, it was like sometime in the 1800s, 1900s, I think all the inventions have pretty much been done. He had no idea what was coming ahead. Some of you might be thinking right now, well, all the inventions, they're pretty much done. Watch what's invented in the next 50 years. There was a, a mother that saw a problem and came up with an, uh, an answer to the problem. She saw that her children always pulled off their socks. Anybody else have children, especially little ones, that pull off their socks? She said, I'm just going to put a little bit of silicone, a little bit of bump, a silicone, a little bit of texture on the inside of the sock to not allow the child to pull it off. It will just put enough of a resistance that the child just can't pull it off. The child won't have enough strength from the angle to pull it off. She's now a millionaire for solving a problem. My wife saw that on Shark Tank and said, value how much you want. I'm paying you because I'm tired of chasing socks around in the, in the car. I'm tired of chasing socks around in the house. Value, I'm paying you for that. Value. The woman created value. Million people buy your products, millionaire. Value. You know how to keep that product going. You create more value. You create more substance in the economy. More people give. Then everybody wants to be like you. And then there's competition. And then welcome to the real world, people. And that's where we fight to win. And we're not dishonest towards them. If we take over their company, we say, you're going to like this one a lot better than the one you worked for. We're going to treat you a lot better as we merge with your company. I was just driving a guy in the Uber. He is... He is his sole job downtown. He gets paid. You know what he gets paid to do? To evaluate businesses based on their wells so that entrepreneurs, venture capitalists know whether or not they're worth it. He said, one of the biggest deals I just worked on was a mom and pop shop that had created so much value in their niche that this huge corporation wanted to buy them, retire them, give them all their dreams and finances, and they took that deal. And I made sure all the P&Ls lined up, everything was there, and that, and that shop now is blessed. Lastly, you see, when we value God's kingdom over our desires, we'll win both here on earth and the age to come. He was saying, man, a lot of people, they only look at what's, what's impressive to man. See, I'm not talking you have to have money and show it off. I'm not saying that. If you want to drive a, an 84 Camry the rest of your life, you can. But I'm saying this. There comes to, to be a time in your life where you need to value things that the kingdom values. Can you take a road trip with us right now in your 85 Camry? We used to have so many young adults that were busted in this church that we couldn't even go to Devil's Lake without renting vehicles or figuring it all out because there wasn't enough people to have a vehicle to go three hours. And I remember talking to one pastor. Well, I know you got a car. Well, my car's breaking down. Talk to another one. Well, my car couldn't make it out the city. And we want to change the world. We can't even make it three hours down the road. I'm not saying you have to have a Ferrari, but get something that works and runs. You see, value those things. See, value them. And I love a lot of entrepreneurs, wealthy people that don't have to waste all their money on that stuff. Some of these guys just wear the same clothes. They dress the same. They live in the same house. Warren Buffett lives in the same house that he became wealthy in. You know, so it's not about here trying to have all this prestige and wasting the money. I'm saying get the money, live off of whatever's right and fair for your family, and then give it away. Don't you care about the kingdom? 
Aren't you tired of seeing our carpet ripped up? Aren't you about ready for that building fund to get started so we can just pay it off and get the new carpet here? Aren't you tired of being in a storefront? Don't you think we should just march down the road and take over about four of these backslidden churches? Just walk around them like Jericho and say, you know what you need to do. Hand over these keys four and five times the size of these churches, and yet we're in these little buildings here. Aren't you tired of it? Aren't you tired of seeing every time there's a need, there's got to be a GoFundMe account for this, a GoFundMe account for that? Wouldn't some of you just like to write a check and say it's already funded in Jesus' name? It's funded in Jesus' name. Now let me say this before we get into the, the application. Let's go down a little bit. I have to pause again. And that gave you caution because for some reason, people do not understand my heart in this at times. Most of you, I think, got it. But just in case you don't got it, I'm going to pull it right back so everybody can understand this. Number one, never love money. Wasn't Jesus clear about it? I don't love money. I love you. I want you to be successful. I'm tired of you not having insurance. I'm tired of you having to raise money to bury a loved one. I love you. I don't love money. I want you to have the things you need in life. I love you. Jesus loves you. That's why we're preaching this. Number two, don't determine people's value, including yours, based on the amount of money you have or they have. Does everybody get that? When I do my side gig and I have the, the people come in, whether they're from the hood or from downtown, you know, or whatever, I treat them all the same. Their value is not determined on what part of the city they live. I don't care because I treat them all the same. Don't determine people's value based on money. I hate that. Don't you hate that? You know, you get around people, they talk about all they have, and oh, I have this, and I have this. My wife and I were out visiting my parents there in that retirement village in Dell community, and my dad wanted to introduce me to a woman and her family that bike rides, because, my, you know, my dad knows I love to bike ride, and he's like, Joe, I want you to meet this lady here, her and her husband bike ride every day, they're just amazing. And I started talking to her, and I said, yeah, you know, and I don't have a bike, and, you know, what do you think? Do you think I could borrow you or... Uh, your husband's bikes, you know, and she's like, well, you know, we have about 12 to 13 apiece, literally apiece, and, uh, you know, they're all, they all have a purpose, and so I don't think that would be the right thing to do. Couldn't even lend me a bike to ride. Couldn't even lend, like, as if I was going to take it off-roading or jump it off a cliff or something. They have 13. My wife is coming, and I guarantee you she'll testify this because it shocked her. The amount of just greed and love this person had for their things. Now, I can't guarantee this because I don't know everybody's P&Ls, but my dad had another friend that he introduced me to that was a Christian. Owned many, 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 many acres. Blessed man, probably worth way more than the woman with her little 13 bikes. And all this brother did the entire time I was there was bless my family. We went shooting the skeets. You know, you throw up the clay pigeons, you shoot them and all that. I went and bought my own. He said, you didn't have to buy them. I'll buy them. I'll get them. Brought my own ammo. You don't have to use your ammo. Use my ammo. Everything was a gift. Everything was generosity. How many have ever been around a generous person? I'm not talking about a wasteful person, and I'm not talking about a person blessing you off their link card. I'm talking about somebody with hard work being generous. How many have ever met a hardworking, generous person, and it just felt good to be around them? Amen? So we don't determine people's value based on the money. We do that on their character. Number three, always be content wherever you are in the journey. So if right now at the beginning of the year, you're a little bit motivated, your pastor yelled at you a little bit, you feel a little bit motivated, you're going to be a stay-at-home mom and graduate your kids at 15 like I am from high school. You're going to have them graduate college at 18, so you just got motivated to do something great, bigger than what you ever thought. You're going to do something great, whatever it is. Listen, be content on your journey. Be content on your journey. Look at the brainy kids, those who want to learn about kids who became doctors and lawyers by the time they were 21 years old, setting bar exam records, setting, setting uh, doctor records in their state. Get motivated. Do something great in your life. But be content on the journey. Number four, don't be jealous of what others have. Don't hate. Celebrate. You see, I'm not upset at these people because they were successful. Everybody get that. I'm not jealous of Ellen's success or Oprah's success. 
I'm not jealous. I just don't like their character. I'm just tired of hearing the same garbage from these people. So I'm not jealous of them having something. Don't be jealous of what people have. Get out and work and do what they did, and you'll get what they got. Amen? Number four, always be thankful. Just, Lord, I'm thankful. When I lived in the hood, couldn't even take off my socks because the carpet was so dirty and there was roaches everywhere. Mice were making their home in my, in my kitchen and all that. Just thank God. At least I'm not homeless. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. But always understand there's more to come. I mean, be thankful that you have a house. You're not homeless. I mean, you, even the homeless person can say, well, at least I'm not sick. And the person who's sick but not dying can say, at least I'm not dying. Come on. I mean, we can always find something to be thankful for, but make sure you stay motivated to achieve what God called you to achieve. And then lastly, live generous. Get to the point where you say to God, God, all I need is the 10%. I'm giving back to you all the 90%. God, my goal this year is to get into the six-figure club just so I can live off of what I've been living off of and give the rest away. Come on, somebody. God, I want to start this business. Some of you are entrepreneurs whatever. God, I want to start this business so I can be more generous than I've ever been in my entire life. Those are the cautions before proceeding. Now, how many are ready to get motivated? Amen. Here comes the scriptures right here. Let's go through the scriptures. Because how many know Jesus never spoke in a vacuum? It was never like Jesus was far away from the prophets in the Bible. When Jesus was telling that parable, everybody who was a good Jew understood it. The problem was the bad Jews had just loved money for what money was. They forgot what Deuteronomy 18, 17 taught them. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You see, the Jewish people of that time that Jesus was rebuking had forgotten the purpose of their money. They loved their money. They put value on their money as people. They judged people by their money instead of taking a knee and thanking God for every dollar that they ever had or shekel. Are you listening? That's the purpose of money, to confirm a covenant. The new covenant is spread by the preaching of the gospel. We need plane tickets to fly over to the Philippines. We don't get a plane ticket by sprinkling prayer pixie dust on it. And if even somebody said, well, I know missionaries who prayed and miracles happened. Where did the miracle come from? The Bible says it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. Shall man pour into your bosom? Some man or woman had to have it to answer that miracle. Well, so-and-so prayed, and then a knock at the door came when they were hungry, and there were a bag of groceries. Where'd that dude get the bag of groceries to drop it off at that door? Well, this missionary was praying for a plane ticket, and he showed up at the airport, and then there this businessman bought his plane ticket. Well, where do you think the businessman got his money from? Are you listening? If you want to be an answer to someone's prayer in the new covenant, you and I need resources. If someone in this church needs a ride, we need a vehicle, we need the gas. If someone in this church needs some help, we got to have it to give it to them. If we're all homeless, we can't help the homeless. If we're all hungry, we can't feed the hungry. If we're all naked, we can't clothe the naked. Somebody's got to have at least another house so someone can stay in it. Someone's got to have another jacket to give away another, the one that they, they don't use. Are you listening? You have to have more to give more. The covenant is based on us receiving and becoming vessels of blessing. Psalm 112.1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those who love money. Blessed are those who are just rich. No, no, no. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great, great delight in his commands. Is that you today? Is that anybody here today? Do you want to praise the Lord? Do you, do you fear the Lord? Do you find delight in his commands? This is a promise. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Don't you tell me I only get righteousness. I get wealth and riches and houses as well. 
Well, what about the persecuted church, Joe, that you love so much in Iran and Iraq and pray for? They don't have any of these things. That is absolutely correct, and they're just as much, if not more righteous than all of us here. But if they had their freedom, they would be doing exactly what we're doing now. And those of us who have it can support them and keep sending those Bibles and those things to their lands. Woo! Are you listening to me? Wealth and riches are in their houses. Get it in Jesus' name. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. You see, when you're doing it God's way, you may be putting in 80 hours. You may have to fire some people, hire some people, or, or be in a tough competitive market and, and succeed by, by just the skin of your teeth in some moments. But the Bible says it won't be painful. It will be joyful. Whistle while you work. Yeah, you're going to work in a coal mine, but you're going to whistle while you work. My grandpa worked in a coal mine. Yep. Saved up. Bought himself a farm. Started working the land. Started investing his money. Retired with over a million dollars. I don't care if you start in a coal mine. Are you listening to me? You work. And you find joy in what you're doing. And you say, Lord, I know I'm blessed here in this coal mine. And I'm going to be wise in my decisions. I'm going to make sure that when I'm doing things, I'm doing it according to your will. Because what's your will is your bill. And that's why I want to start hearing some testimonies. I just don't want to hear, I got a job. I want to hear what you're doing on your job. I just don't want you to tell me, well, I'm going on vacation. Tell me what you're saving for. Tell me what you're dreaming for. Tell me what you're doing for your generations to come so you can be a blessing to them. Proverbs 13, 22, a good person. Somebody say a good person. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. That's just not your children, baby. That's your grandchildren get a check after you pass away. And a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Zuckerberg's holding on to some of my billions right now. He's holding on to Google's holding on to some of your money right now. You need to take it in the competitive economy we're in and win it in Jesus' name. Win their business. Win it. Give him a bad year. How many of you have had a bad year before? Well, I got laid off. I lost some money. Give Zuckerberg a bad year this year. Let him lose a couple billion because we started our own social network that attracted Christians to it. And by losing the Christians, he lost 10% of that Facebook business because you created something better. Now advertisers want to advertise on your business. Let's give him some heartburn this year. Let's give McDonald's some heartburn this year. Let's give Walmart. Let's give Amazon some heartburn this year. Y'all don't even get this. The sinner's wealth is stored up for you. Let's give Spanx a bad year. Let's have Spanx look at their, look at their team and go, I don't know what's going on, but we're 10, 20, 30% down. But there's Momo's products over there that's going up 10, 30, 40, 50%. And they're wondering, where'd all that money go? It's going to happen, the Bible says, on judgment day no matter what, but let it happen now in Jesus' name. And I am talking, once again, all fair in the competitive world without any sin against you. You didn't lie. You didn't cheat. You weren't greedy. You just did something better, and the value was there, and people said, I'll pay for that. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. You see, we seek kingdom first. The kingdom's on our mind. See, Momo wants it so she can give it away and do more in the kingdom. Kingdom-minded in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This will blow your mind. Paul said this. Just, just stay one at a time, sir. So go down just a little bit, please. Don't give them too much yet. Thank you. Listen to this scripture. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Man, I could slap this Bible right on the ground. That's what I stand on. He went through that. Do you understand what he went through? 
He went through everything on that cross. He was rich in heaven. He had everything in heaven so that I could stand on his word and become prosperous. How dare I be lazy, man? Do you all get what I'm saying? How dare I be lazy when he went to that cross so I could have his word? Well, that's not very Christian to want to be rich. You jealous and you upset because I'm whooping your butt. Just take them out for lunch and say, I'm going to keep it real with you. I pray and you don't. I stay up late and you don't. I read my word and you don't. I know the customer and you don't. That's why I got your job. I'm paying for his too. That's what you do. Now you say, Pastor, does it always have to be so sassy? No, but I'm just pumped up today. You could just be like, I'm so sorry, Barb. I'm so sorry you didn't get the raise. Sorry you didn't get the promotion. I know you're cool. I know you're a good person. But anyways, I need these things done by three, okay? Later. That's what you do. You don't have to be sassy like me slapping your Bible on the ground, standing on it, going, hey, y'all, this is how I got it done. You don't have to do that. But you can just, just tell Barb, she's awesome, but just get it done by three now, okay? Check up on you later because I'm your boss. I'm your boss now, Barb. Hey, deal with it. Okay, let's go down here. One more. One more. This is going to be the last but good. Here it is. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. So I command all you rich people here not to be arrogant. But pastor, there's nobody rich here. Well, get some rich people here so I can command them to do something. We only got poor people here, pastor. Where's all the poor commands? Uh, get some rich people in here because I got to talk to you. Okay, I'm rich, Pastor. Okay, here's what you need to do. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain and goes away, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So if you're rich here, those are my commands to you. Uh, thus says the Lord, don't be arrogant. Don't think you got it all together. Put your hope in God and enjoy what he's given you. And now, look, verse 18. And do good, you rich person. Be rich in good deeds. Just like you're rich in receiving those bonuses, rich in those promotions, rich in receiving all that product, you know, all, all of those, those commissions you get. Now be rich in good deeds. Be generous, willing to share. Well, hold on, Pastor. I thought nobody in the church was supposed to be rich. I thought we were all communists, that we all just got what everybody got handed it all out. No, no, no. There's rich people there, and we're supposed to be commanding them to do this. How many say, do it, rich person? Come on, say, do it, rich person. Amen. Do it in Jesus' name. And then in this way, look at verse 19. Here's the spiritual. Here it is. And in this way, lay up treasures for yourselves as a firm foundation for the kingdom coming or in the coming age so that you may take hold of life that is truly life. So here's to prepare you for what you do when you're rich. This is what you do. This is how you handle yourself. If you don't get there, that's okay. It's between you and God. For those of us who may see ourselves here one day, this is what we do. We're not arrogant. We're not boastful. We don't, ha we don't put our value in our money. We're good with our good deeds. We're generous. We're laying up treasures. We're enjoying it, and we thank God for what is true life. Amen? How many are ready to be blessed to be a blessing? Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Come on. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? How many are motivated? Come on. How many are ready to go to your job this week and do something great? I pray blessings on each and every one of you. Some may say multiple streams of income. You guys have been amazing to me as my wife and I have made our living off the church. But as I've gotten older, I realized I wanted multiple streams of income. Some of you need to start getting some of that in your mindset, multiple streams, taking on extra endeavors that benefit your future, whether it's taking on side projects or investing or beginning to partner with people you can trust. 
Those of us here shouldn't even just make the excuse where I'm stuck where I'm at. No, it's okay. I understand. I don't want one more penny from the church in that way. I want other streams of income. I'm not coming up here taking another offer and Joe needs this. Joe, no, no, no. I want other streams of income. What you gave Joe and Nancy, that was fair. That's good. Thank you. But if I want anything else over here, I got to get other streams of income. Same thing with you. Well, my job only provides me with this much. Okay. We'll find another job or find something to do alongside of your job. Some of you might be saying, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I don't know this. I don't know that. Okay, well, go get qualified. Go, go get some more education. Right now online, we have so much education that everybody can become an expert in something. So much education. You can, you can go to these websites that just teach on things. Like, just take, for example, what my kids do a lot of their homeschooling uh, from the website Khan Academy. Let's say you're not good at math, but you want to do better. Take a high school course on algebra again or accounting, you know, or go to one of these adult learning sites. Some of you might say, man, I want to do a trade. I want to learn how to do this and that, but I can't afford to go to trade school. Ask one of these guys that are engineers, plumbers, electricians, heating and air. Ask these guys if you can just follow around. Be an intern for them. No pay, but just you learn wisdom. You see, because listen, even if you're broke, you still got a mind you can learn. Are you listening to me? Even if you can't take a lot of money and do something with it, you could take this opportunity and learn. Study, study, study. Those of us who are saying, Pastor, I got big dreams but I get discouraged because they don't come true. I keep failing. I keep failing. Let me talk to those of you who might be there. I can relate. I have failed so many times at my big dreams. Get up, get up, get up. God is not done with you yet. Listen to any story. I was driving. I don't know what street it is, but somebody probably knows in Logan Square. I was driving and I saw on the side of a building all these quotes about Abraham Lincoln failing so many times. Then there was a quote about like Martin Luther King. You know what I'm talking about? It's on the side of a restaurant. California, Milwaukee. There you go. Thank you, ladies. Just motivating people. Just motivating people. Do you understand? Why are they doing that? Because Chicago's been beat down so much, hasn't it? People giving up. And they're thinking, man, I can never be another Abraham Lincoln. I can never be this. I can never be this. And I love just seeing that on the wall. So if you're beat down today, put some scriptures on your phones. Put some scriptures on your refrigerator. Put some scriptures on your mirror. Put some life stories you look up to. Learn to be encouraged. Encourage yourself. Everybody wants the kind of things that we're talking about today, but very few will achieve them because they won't do what it takes. And I know, lastly, lastly, listen to me, please. I know I struck a nerve with some of your family having to ask to be buried but isn't that sad? I mean, let's just, can we be honest about that? Isn't that sad? Hey, Wayla don't have enough money. Papa don't have enough money to even be buried. I have permission to share this testimony, but Juan Garcia canceled his wife's life insurance to save 15 bucks about three months before she passed. I said to him, I said, brother, when your time of grieving has ceased and you're telling the story, Put that in your story because no young couple ever thinks they're losing somebody. He had been paying into life insurance and cut it to save 15 bucks. He would have received over a quarter million dollars or a hundred, I can't know the number. Do you understand? He would have had enough money to make sure he could have babysitters, enough money to make sure that he could have food around the house. Now, thankfully, the church came in, but he canceled it to save $15. See, friends, wisdom is all that we need. If a Wayla or your family member doesn't have enough money to bury themselves, you talk to them right now and say, I'm going to take out a policy for you right now. I'm going to take out a policy right now. That way we don't have to go and do this. We're going to take out a $15,000 funeral policy for you right now. We're going to put in $50 a month towards this thing so that when and if you pass anytime soon, there will be no problem. We just... Get the check, cut it out, now we're good. Anybody want to give to it, Wayla, you can give here, but we don't, we don't need it. Are you all listening? See, some of you all didn't have family keep it real with you like that. And then you, you thought to yourself, that's the way it's supposed to be. No, be blessed to be a blessing. Do things differently. Prepare for your children differently. 
I said to my wife, if I die, just pay off the boat and keep it in memory of me. You can do I said, you can do whatever you want with all the other money, but pay off that boat and call it Joe's dream boat or something and just hand it down from generation to generation. A hundred years from now, somebody's handing down a boat because they listen to this. Oh, Pappy loved that boat. Hand it on down to the next generation. Father, we thank you today. Come on, somebody thank them for wherever you are at in life. We thank you we're alive. We thank you we're not in the hospital today. We got so much to be thankful for. We thank you, Lord, if we got $2 in our pocket or $2 million in our bank account. We thank you, Lord. Come on, tell them you're thankful. Tell him you're thankful. Just thank him for what he's done in your life already before you ask him for another thing. I'm thankful, Lord, for all the opportunities you've given me. I even thank you, Lord, for my failures and my losses because they've become lessons in life. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given me, all the talents. I won't waste one of them. I won't waste one of them. If you've given me creative writing, I'll write. If you've given me the ability to be a people person, I'll be a people person. If you've given me the ability to work with my hands, I'll work with my hands. I thank you, Lord, for every gift, every talent, every relationship, every opportunity, every second, every day. Hallelujah. I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now somebody start telling them you fear him. You honor him. I honor you, Lord. I don't want to serve money. I want to serve you. I honor you. I respect you. I don't want to treat others differently the way I want to be treated. I want to keep your commands, God. Oh, Lord, I honor you. I fear you. I know you watch me. I know you're watching what I do on my job. Watch what I do with my money. You're watching me, Jesus. I honor you. And then now, lastly, as the psalmist said, pray for wealth and riches to come to your house today. If you want it, receive it right now in the name of Jesus.